welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Uh, Acts chapter 9 is where we are this morning. We are continuing our series through Acts. This is part number 13, if you've been with us uh, for uh, for the last 13 weeks or so. Uh, But we're landing here on Easter because we see that the Apostle Paul, here he's called Saul. He has not yet been converted until we get to this story. Uh, We will see that he has an encounter with the resurrected Christ. So I have a question for you. Have you ever had a moment that changed your life forever? Have you ever had a moment that changed your life forever? Some of those moments are painful, for sure. I'm not thinking of those right now. And I would suspect that we're often looking for moments like that. We're hoping for maybe it's a career change, a life change, something that will help us feel different, to be different, uh, to see different. And and often we we put it into terms like this, because this has made it to our common day vernacular. You've probably heard this, uh, not just when Acts chapter 9 is preached, but you might have heard this in in everyday life. We, We say something like this. Have have you ever had a Damascus Road experience? Have you heard that before? Have you ever had a Damascus Road experience? This this phrase has made it into our vernacular. And so when a Damascus Road experience occurs, we use this phrase to speak of a moment in our life when our perspective changes completely. It's, It's one of those moments by which you see everything else. And we live our lives hoping for these moments, hoping that we'll experience those moments, whether they'll change our direction or solidify our direction. It'll help us find purpose or give us identity that we've, that we've always longed for. These are moments by which our perspective change and moments by which we see everything else. In Acts chapter 9, we read about the famous conversion of the Apostle Paul here called Saul. It's the most perhaps famous conversion in all of the world, and this is the Damascus Road experience. It's quite a conversion. It comes with blinding light. It comes with a voice from heaven. And so really what I want to ask you today as we look at Acts chapter 9, I want to ask you that question today is, have you ever had a Damascus Road experience? Now, here's what I mean. I'm not asking if you've ever been on a journey some 150 miles away and in the noonday sunlight, a bright light blinds you and you have scales on your eyes and you go to a city of a man that you've seen in a vision. He lays his hands on you and your scales fall and you see sight. Wonderful story with some wild details that we see here. What I'm asking you is, have you met the resurrected Christ? Because here's what we see. Paul has never met Jesus until that day that Jesus met him along the way. Has Jesus met you along your way? Have you met the resurrected Christ? Well, let's go ahead and take a look. The first thing that I want you to see in Acts chapter 9, by the way, if you don't have a Bible or don't have one on your phone, there's one in the seat in front of you. Uh, You can grab that and follow along. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. The first thing I want you to see is, is Saul is along his way. Saul is along his way. But Saul, look at verse 1, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, which was shorthand for people who were following Christ, the way, the truth, and the light, if people were belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on 
his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly light from heaven shone around him. So the first thing that I want you to see that on that day, Paul was on his way. It was an otherwise normal day for him. Yes, this is wild that he was chasing down Christians, but this what was Paul was doing. Saul was on his way. So what was Saul doing? Saul had his reasons. Now, now Luke and Acts has already, has already introduced us to Saul. You may remember at the end of Acts chapter 7 and into Acts chapter 8, he's introduced us to Saul. Do you remember that Luke introduces us to him at uh, the execution of the first Christian martyr, Stephen? It says that Stephen was stoned, as they're stoning Stephen, do you remember, they laid their garments at Saul's feet, and Saul approved of Stephen's execution. Saul was a noted leader in the Jewish community and a leading persecutor of the church. Saul was a terrorist of the, of the early church. And he was a key figure in the scattering of Christians that we read about in Acts chapter 8 that followed this persecution that rose in Jerusalem. So what was Saul doing? He was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He hasn't changed much since we met him in Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8. Saul is along his way, and he has not yet met the resurrected Christ. This word here that he's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord Jesus, the the picture that we get is he's like a wild beast that's hungry, and he's looking for blood, and this is like a beast that snorts before it attacks. And so Paul is on his way to Damascus like a wild beast. He is hungry for blood, breathing murderous threats. He is proactively seeking Christians that he might bring them back to Jerusalem and likely take their life. In a way, it seems that Saul is trying to outflank this movement, that the Lord is scattering the Christians throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And so he goes all the way to Damascus, perhaps thinking, if I can outflank them and stop them in Damascus, then we will stop this movement. What was Saul doing? He was going after Christians, and anyone who proclaims Jesus as Lord is not safe with Saul. He hates the way as Saul continues on his way. Saul was a terrorist, and he was on his way to terrorize Christians. So that's what Saul was doing. Now, who was Saul? We know he was a leader in the early church, in, in the, not in the early church, but yes, eventually in the early church, but here, an early Jewish leader. Who was Saul? Now, Notice, notice something about Saul. Saul had his credentials. Saul was after these Christians, and, and Saul had some credentials himself. He was a Roman citizen, we find out, and he was an impeccable Jew, and he was Greek-educated. He was born in the dispersion. He was born outside of Jerusalem in Tarsus, an important Roman city, and later we see a Roman citizen. But Paul was also the Hebrew of Hebrews. Listen to how he describes himself. He says, I have every reason, this is Philippians chapter 3, for confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks they have confidence in the flesh, it's me. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. And so Paul was on his way to persecute the early church. And I want you to know something about Saul, that Saul had credentials. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was blameless. If anyone had confidence in the flesh, if anyone had confidence in his work, if anyone could be saved by the law, it would be Saul. 
Saul had credentials. So this man who was going along his way, Saul, who had his credentials, who was going to persecute these Christians, we have to ask the question, as Saul goes along this way, this very well-educated man, why would Saul do something so radical? Paul had a lot at stake. He had built a great confidence in his flesh. Saul had built a great confidence in his flesh, and not just confidence in his moral character, but he was religiously confident. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's folks like that that are, that are sometimes the most difficult to see that they need an encounter with the resurrected Christ because they feel that they are all right. They feel they have nothing left to experience for they have earned salvation or they have earned accreditation before the Lord. And so Saul is angry. And the thought of Jesus changing everything was preposterous to him and threatens everything that he came to know. Maybe you felt like this before. He figured his life is wasted if all that he studied was changing before his eyes. As Christ declared that he fulfilled the law, that he was the perfect sacrifice, and the law was no longer to be observed in that way. And besides this Jesus that these people of the way were following, he was hanged on a tree. Paul knew, according to Deuteronomy, that this Jesus was cursed. They are following a cursed Messiah. Why would they do something like that? And why would he have to be cursed if he is the Savior? Why must he be cursed when I am not cursed? For I have confidence in the flesh. I don't need saving in that way. So you can imagine Paul had a lot at stake. If they are right, then he is wrong. If he is wrong, then his legacy is at stake. He spent all of his life earning the standing that he had, as he talks about in Philippians chapter 3. He had spent all of his life building confidence in the flesh. He worked really hard to build his legacy. And if now he says that Jesus is the way and I'm going along the wrong way, his legacy is at stake. Not only is his legacy at stake, his zeal is at stake. He was most zealous for the things that he believed. And imagine thinking that you were the most zealous about something, then something else captures your heart. You have a Damascus Road experience that changes your life forever. And the very thing that you've been zealous about your entire life, you have to admit that you were zealous about the wrong things. Have you been there before? You've worked hard to build your legacy. You've been zealous about things other than the things of the Lord. Not only was his legacy at stake and his zeal was at stake, his pride was at stake. He'd have to admit that he was wrong and indeed culpable in the murder of the Messiah for he was cursed and the Messiah took the curse for him. If they are right, then he is a sinner needing salvation and everything he's worked for, he has to lay at the foot of the cross. You can probably relate a bit. Perhaps this is a bit of you. So I don't want to ask you a few questions before we continue any farther to see what happens on this road. You've already heard it, but before we talk about it, is this a bit of you? I want to ask you a few questions. Where are you going? Saul was along his way, and he had his reasons for doing what he's doing, and and you probably have your reasons for doing what you're doing and walking along the way that you're walking along. Where are you going? 
Who are you? What are you zealous about? What do you take pride in? What kind of legacy are you trying to leave for your children? What's being, here's how I think about it. What, what are you leaving in your wake? You've seen that before as a boat goes speeding down the water. It leaves a wake or you've been about the Mississippi River and one of those huge boats come, I guess they're ships, come passing by. And it just seems for miles and for days those wakes just never stop as they go down the river. That's true for all of us. As, as we go down our way, we're leaving something in our past, something we're in our path. What are you prideful about? What do you take your confidence in? What is your legacy? What is your zeal? What's at stake? If you were to have an experience with the resurrected Christ and have an encounter with the resurrected Christ today, what's at stake? Are you willing to lay it down at the foot of the cross? What are you doing with your life? Saul had his reasons and he was on his way. Saul was one who needed to meet Jesus and was probably the one who least deserved to meet Jesus. For he was persecuting the early church. Saul never met Jesus until that one day when Jesus met Saul. Maybe that's true for you that you had never met Jesus. Do you remember that day that Jesus met you? Here was a light for the apostle Paul, verse 3, now he went on his way. You got a picture of that. He approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Verse 5, and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. So here's how Jesus met Saul. Jesus met him on the road, noonday light. That light overwhelmed Saul, brighter than the new day sun. What he came face to face with is the glory of the risen Christ. Saul came face to face with the glory of the risen Christ, and he was blinded by it. He had arrested him. He was risen and reigning, this resurrected Christ was, but he came and met Saul. And now the light by which he, the light that he encountered is a, is a light by which he would see everything else. Saul was changed as he came face to face with the resurrected Christ. He was changed and we see it immediately that, that Paul, who probably had his chest puffed out for all the pride and all of the confidence that he had learned, all the confidence that he had earned in his flesh, Saul, Saul fell to the ground. He's humiliated. And in a moment, he's calling upon Jesus as Lord. The very name that Saul was trying to eradicate was now his only hope. The very name that Paul was trying to eradicate was now changing Saul forever. He was having an encounter with the resurrected Christ, and he was overwhelmed. He was humbled, and he would be changed forever. So yes, this is an unlikely story. It's not something we necessarily experience like this here and now. But I want you to notice something about it. Saul went on his way and he experienced this. I said it a minute ago, but I want to say it again so we don't miss this. That this was an unlikely, unlikely person. And even Ananias knew it. Do you hear what he says? Starting in verse 13. And Ananias answered. So the Lord changes him. He carries on to Damascus. 
the Lord meets Ananias in a vision. He says, here I am, Lord. He said, rise, go meet this man named Saul. And he says, Lord, I've heard about this man and how much evil he has done against your saints in Jerusalem. And I hear that he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. And so, so now as Saul is along his way, as Saul is walking along his way, Jesus meets him along the way. And I don't have stats to prove this, but I would imagine it's harder for a religious person to come to follow Jesus than a person who isn't religious at all. And so Ananias obeys the Lord, but it's almost like he's saying, you've got to be kidding me. Certainly you have the wrong man, because this man is on the way to conquer Christians, and now you're saying that he's come to be an instrument of yours. I wonder if you can identify with that. If you were going to your office place tomorrow morning, hope maybe you have Easter Monday off. The Lord saved you? <laughs> There's no way. I've seen what you've said. I've seen what you do. Maybe, maybe some of you young adults and some of you youth are thinking that, like, like the Lord has seen my thoughts. He's seen what I do. Certainly he could not change me. Let me, let me tell you that the Lord comes and takes over Saul's life, and he does it not with a sword of judgment, but he comes with grace and mercy, and he calls out Saul, and he says, why are you persecuting me? I have a plan for your life. I wonder if you've ever met Jesus along your way. To meet Jesus is to be changed by Jesus. I wonder if you think that you're too far gone to be met by Jesus, much less be changed by Jesus. I, I wonder if, you're, if your pride's too great, your zeal's too strong, your, your legacy too great. Have you met the resurrected Christ? And now Saul is along the way. The man that was walking along his way, the man that was after the church, has met the resurrected Christ. He's been stunned by the glory of God as he's met the resurrected Christ. He's fallen to the ground, this unlikely person has. And now the one who was on his way has met Jesus. And the third thing I want you to see is now Saul is on the way. The only hope of heaven is to have an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And maybe you're thinking, how do I encounter the risen Christ? Do I have to have an experience like this? I told you at the beginning that I wasn't saved like this. I was saved by my bedside as my parents led me to Christ. And maybe you were saved in a more dramatic way or in another way. But either way, the only hope of heaven for any of us in this room is not our zeal, our legacy, our pride, our confidence in the flesh, or whatever it might be. It's only those who have met the resurrected Christ and have been changed by him. So how do we meet the resurrected Christ? How do we encounter the resurrected Christ even today? We meet him in his word. He has revealed to himself to us. He has made his way known to us. We meet him in places like Acts chapter 9. We meet him in places that, that he has revealed himself to us, namely in the scriptures. How do we encounter the resurrected Christ today? It's in his word. It's in prayer. It's by being around his people who are the body of Christ. That is the way that we encounter the resurrected Christ. How do we know we've encountered the resurrected Christ? Is because we've prayed a prayer or gone through the waters of, of baptism? Not necessarily. It's when our lives are addressed to the depths 
And grace is experienced in those depths. And that we are sent out change and commission. Notice some things about this encounter with the resurrected Christ. You notice the light. You notice the blinding. you, You notice the drama of the story. But for all of us who have an encounter with the resurrected Christ, we have this encounter won by grace. He meets us along the way. It's grace from first to last. Notice something else about an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Have you experienced this? Have you experienced the grace of God and been overwhelmed by the grace of God? Has your resistance been crushed? Paul would go on to talk about this story later on in Acts. He recounts this this conversion story several other times. And, And one, we read that the Lord says, why are you kicking against the goads? Have you been kicking against the goads? Have you been resisting giving your life to Christ? The Lord says, stop kicking against the goads. And when we truly experience the resurrected Christ and encounter the resurrected Christ, it's by grace. It crushes our resistance. It convicts us of sin. It changes our purpose. It changes our direction. And it changes our allegiance where we fall down and we say, Lord, Lord, do with me what you will. We cry, Lord, and we lay everything at his feet. All of our zeal, all of our pride, all of our legacy, all of our sin, everything that we once held dear, we lay it down at the foot of the cross. Let me tell it to you like this. To encounter the resurrected Christ is to die to self and to experience your own resurrection. To meet the resurrected Christ is to die to self and to experience your own resurrection. Because here's the truth about the resurrection, that because we serve a resurrected Christ and we have an encounter with the resurrected Christ, when we meet him in his word, when we hear his word preached, when we're saved by grace and he crushes our resistance, we are raised to life and behold, we are a new creation. And Saul makes it to Damascus. And the very ones he was going to arrest, bring him in. And look at verse 17. I I circled this in my Bible. So Ananias departed. Because maybe you're thinking, like, like, dude, if I I came to faith, I can't imagine, like, what the church would think of me, right? I can't imagine what the church would think of me. Ananias departed. Like, Like, they know my past, Ananias knew everything about Saul. Listen to the first thing that Saul heard from a Christian, one he was likely going to kill. Ananias says, brother, Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you experienced that grace before? And here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you come to him, you you receive that embrace from the Father. That's my son and daughter. They're mine. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, the embrace you will experience from the church is that you're a brother, you're a sister, You are one of us because the only way that I am saved, the only way that I am resurrected is because I've been met by the resurrected Christ. The only way that I have hope of salvation is is because Christ met me and he changed me and he raised me to life. The only way is because his grace spoke to the depths of my heart and I laid it down at the foot of the cross. 
Yes, this story is unique, but it's all of our stories. We were enemies of God and stood condemned. But the good news is that while we were enemies, the Son reconciled us. That we stood under the curse, but he stood in our place and became sin for us. And now the record of our debt has been canceled, and this he has set aside, nailing it to the cross. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not that bad. We all are. But praise the Lord, he is patient. He is still changing lives. He's still turning people around. He's still meeting people along their way, and perhaps he will meet you along your way this morning. Perhaps you're thinking, like, what am I doing here this morning? My pray is that you're encountering the resurrected Christ, the one who died, that sinners might be reconciled to God. And you probably have good reasons, reasons for the way you're walking, the way you're going. You probably have good reasons for why you've never met Jesus. But what's preventing you from meeting him? What has you distracted? What are you hoping that your way, your life will produce? What do you leave in your wake? And what truths are you living for? Because we're all living for something. Even Saul was living for something before he met the resurrected Christ. And it may not be murderous threats like Saul, but perhaps it's more well-cloaked idols. Have you met Jesus? Or better yet, has Jesus met you along the way? Is Jesus meeting you here today? Because our resurrected Christ is still resurrected, and he's still resurrecting people to this day. Are you part of the way? And praise God. If you stay on your way, I'm going to end with this. Here's what you're leaving on the table. If the resurrected Christ meets you and you say, no, thank you, I'm going to keep kicking against the goads. Here's what you leave on the table. And Christians, this is what we have. This is what we want the world to experience. We have a Savior, a Messiah that can never die, for He has conquered death. We have new birth. We are resurrected. We have died to self, never to die again. We have forgiveness of sin. We will never be condemned. We have his presence with him. We have his presence with us and his fellowship, and he is with us and he walks with this, us along the way. We are saved from judgment, and we too will be resurrected, so we do not lose hearts. We serve a resurrected king. We have a resurrected Messiah. We no longer stand condemned. The old has passed and the new has come. And we stand in the presence of God. The keep out sign has been ripped open. And we go into the presence of God by the blood of Christ alone. Would God in his grace meet you along your way? And would he tear down the walls of resistance? that you, like Saul, may say, Lord, Lord, who are you? May the Lord overwhelm us today with his presence. And may God in his grace meet you along your way. Let's pray.